The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from Exodus chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haharoth, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They're wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done, that we've let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped by the sea by Pi-Haharath in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, The people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, 
the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God, we thank you for your word of your grace. We live in a cancel culture where we are doing this act every day. We're separating ourselves from unsavory people all of the time, people we don't like, people we don't agree with, people we think are wrong. We separate ourselves from unsavory people all the time. Lately, I found myself doing this at the Y at 5.30 a.m., There's this man I'll call the talker stalker. He's a lonely man who will have a conversation with anyone willing to listen to him for as long as you'll give to him. Whether you're really listening or not, he'll keep talking. And I'm ashamed to admit, 5.30 in the morning, I avoid him. Who is this person you see when you see them coming? and they don't see you, you make for the exit sign. Who's that person for you? Because in the book of Exodus, it's easy for us to do this as well. We can separate ourselves from all these unsavory characters. Pharaoh, I'm nothing like him. All power-hungry and moody he is. Moses, I'm nothing like him, all insecure and second-guessing God. Mm, No. Israelites, (laughs) nothing like them, all complaining and whining and doubting. We're better than them. When are they going to learn? When are they going to trust the Lord like I trust the Lord? It's easy, so easy when we read Exodus to armchair quarterback a whole group of people. 
unless we take the risk of doing something that God's Son did and something God asks us to do as well. What is that? To get incarnational. To get inside of their skin. If we read the story of Exodus as this epic entertainment legend, like a Marvel movie, it's much easier to just remain separated from all of it. Particularly in Exodus 14, in this dramatic, almost unreal scene of God separating this great body of water. But if we ask the Lord to put us in Exodus 14, what would happen? As if we were one of these people in this story. Because friends, in so many ways, we are. What does each person see and experience in Exodus 14? Well, it's actually the same thing that they all see and experience. They stand in the presence of the weightiest warrior in the world. That's what they all see. But how does each person respond to what they see? That's what's different. Their response of standing in the presence of the weighty warrior. This morning, we're going to look at three folks we may want to separate ourselves from. Pharaoh, the Israelite, and Moses. As they experience and stand in the presence of the weighty warrior the weightiest warrior. How do they respond to what they see? First, Pharaoh. Are you Pharaoh? This is a man who's experienced firsthand the power of this weighty warrior, the Lord. Pharaoh's battle, his war against the Lord, has clearly been lost. His Egypt, his country, his economy, it's collapsing all around him. At the Lord's clear command, Pharaoh has lost complete financial security as his crops and his livestock. What's happened to them? They're all dead. Pharaoh's lost his health. He's probably now an incurable leper. Pharaoh's lost also his future in the loss of his heir to the throne, his firstborn son. And now... He's lost his slave labor force as the Israelites leave, as verse 8 says, defiantly out of his country. Are you Pharaoh? No. Well, let me ask you some questions. Are there any ways your own kingdom is crumbling around you? No matter what you do, you can't seem to financially gain any ground And as all of this is crumbling around you, your anger against what's going on has caused people to want to just avoid you. And physically, you're losing as well. Maybe you're not leprous, but your stomach won't stop burning or your sleep is just completely restless. And when you look to the future, what's ahead of you, if you don't get your act together quick, your bank accounts are going to be empty Or there's going to be empty chairs at empty dining room tables. Well, the Lord has made it abundantly clear to Pharaoh that as much as he believed he was in charge of not only his world, but the whole world, he was sorely mistaken. The Lord had a hope to call Pharaoh to repentance. And repentance for Pharaoh and for you and for me 
means giving up ownership of everything that you believed was yours. Holding your hands wide open. Saying to the Lord, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We had hoped maybe Pharaoh's heart had been turned around to submit to the Lord. Submit to him as the weighty warrior. He'd shown himself to be as Pharaoh held his dead son in his arms. Sure, Pharaoh gave the command, all right, fine, let the people go. But his loosening grip on them and on his power over them was really short-lived. As soon as he sees them seemingly getting all lost in the wilderness, he and his mind of his posses changes. Verse 5 says, it's filled with this regret. Oh, what have I done in giving up? I've made a huge mistake. What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? That's pride that grips once again hard on his heart. He doubles down. He triples down. He goes all in and sends his entire army to try and gain back what was never his. This past spring, my son and I had the experience of going to Gettysburg. And if you know the story of the Gettysburg battle, it's one that is stinking with pride. General Robert E. Lee thought he had the upper hand over Union troops who appeared to be easy targets like fish in a barrel. And he went all in with his troops. And as they marched on, all in, all their battle gear, all their chariots, the hidden Union troops who had the upper position began to take out man after man, unit after unit, and they are falling and falling hard. You'd think General E. Lee would give up his grip, but he didn't. He held to the belief that he had the upper hand, and he said this, to be a good soldier, you must love the army. To be a good commander, you must be willing to order the death of the thing you love. Hmm he wouldn't give up the death that he wouldn't order was the death of his pride and so in Gettysburg he would have to admit I was a faulty commander that his own love for his own honor for his own victory for his own hands to do the work led many to die unnecessarily and that's exactly what happens to Pharaoh and his army he would not let his pride die fearfully standing in the presence of the weighty warrior, the Lord, and believing you can have victory over him is the way of the wicked. But fearfully standing in the presence of the weighty warrior, the Lord, and believing victory is always and only his is the way of the weak. Where is the Lord calling you to loosen your grip on your pride on your being right, on things being your way or yours? Where is he loosening your grip and asking you to be weak instead of wicked? To give up, my will be done, as you stand in the presence of his glorious son. As a general, Jesus calls his army to put to death the temporary things that we love and to love God and others to the point of death. I am here to serve as I've been served, Lord. What's mine is not mine, Lord. 
Because, friends, the more we dig in our heels and tighten our grip, the more the wheels of our chariots, the things we think make us strong and powerful, will just spin deeper and deeper into the mud, verse 25 promises us. Friends, there is a too late for Pharaoh and his army. The waters would close in on them. As long as you are still alive, there is still time for you to get out of your chariot. To step on the dry ground and give him full command of your life. Full command of your kids, full command of your job, full command of your money, full command of your future. Will you be Pharaoh who is willfully wicked? Or you will, be, will you be faithful in being willingly weak? Second set of characters, are you an Israelite? A faithless fool or a faithful follower? Israelites were a group of people who've experienced the protection and the preservation of this weighty warrior, the Lord. They have been spared by the wrath of his anger and the death of a firstborn because of a lamb's blood. They have been given riches by this weighty warrior as he commands the people of Egypt, the people he just defeated, who held his people hostage. He demands the Egyptians, hand over the wages to my people that you never paid them as slaves. Put it back in their hands. Gives them silver and gold and treasure. And then he also gives them a pillar of a shade cloud in the day and a fire tower at night to cool and to warm them in the wilderness, to serve as a guide with them wherever they should go. It sounds like the best life, doesn't it? They've got everything they need, protection and provision. It sounds like a lush life until this happens, Exodus 14, until the pillar and the prophet Moses direct you and say, we got to turn around and go back. we got to head back some of the way in which we came. What? It's like the Geico commercial. Have you ever seen that one about the plot of a horror movie? There's six people in the commercial. They're being chased by a chainsaw killer. And the choices that they make are completely ridiculous. They come in, they're like, let's hide in the attic. No, let's hide in the basement. When one interjects, why can't we just get into the running car and get away from here? And they all look at him. Are you crazy? That's the stupidest decision. Let's hide behind the chainsaws. And they go, smart. The voiceover says, if you're in a horror movie, you make bad decisions. It's what you do. When the Lord directs Moses to turn the people back, and basically set themselves up as an easy target caught between an Egyptian city and the sea, it would seem like the worst military maneuver a warrior could make. It would be like an army invading us in Green Bay. And then me saying, hey guys, we're going to make our way up the peninsula of Door County to get away from them. We're going to go up to the tip to Gill's Rock, and we're going to be safe there. <laughs> there would be water on every side to trap us as well as the army behind us. Verse 3 says, the wilderness had shut them in. Can you imagine feeling that? 
trapped like fish in a barrel. Look at theirs and often our response. They're crying out to the Lord as they cry out to God's representative Moses. Only this time, they're not asking for help. They're giving him sarcasm, blame, and total fear. Listening to the, listen to the biting sarcasm. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us to die in the wilderness? When you think of Egypt, if I say Egypt, what do you picture? You picture pyramids, right? The country prided itself on graveside monuments for the dead. And they're saying, oh, you took us out of that grave place so we could die here? So, total sarcasm. Then they, then they turn on the warrior's second-in-command Moses like Green Bay has turned on Aaron Rodgers, faulting him for this military move. What is it that you have done to us? And then they pledge allegiance as a slave to their hostage home that they once lived in. Leave us that we might serve the Egyptians. That was better than this. They have seen the weightiest warrior do the mightiest things in sparing them from death. And what do they ask for? A return back to death. A return back to slavery. Not this hard and scary and seemingly deadly path we're on. This is not what we signed up for. They start questioning God and God's appointed leadership when things go in a direction they didn't anticipate or imagine best. Fearfully standing in the presence of the weighty warrior and believing you know a better way is the mark of a faithless fool. But fearfully standing in the presence of a weighty warrior and trusting he knows what he's doing even when your eyes or your circumstances can't see it, that's the mark of a faithful follower. Fools like us, we use sarcasm because it's an easy way to veil the truth of how you really feel. They could have just said to the Lord, we're really scared. Are you going to help us? Fools use blame because it's an easy way to de deflect responsibility and faith. Maybe instead, they might have responded with, Lord, what would you have us do? Fools use reminiscing on the good old days of sin to give temporary comfort to situations which are hard or problematic. They're wanting to feel only what's familiar to them, so they return back, and we return back to the bondage of old chains of addiction or easy escape or looking just like the rest of the world instead of saying, I don't want to go back. You've promised, you've shown yourself faithful, and you will promise to continue to be faithful. Help me to remain faithful. We have Pharaoh, we have the Israelites, and we have a hope to be one like Moses, fearfully standing in the presence of the weighty warrior in all of heaven and earth, and standing without fear, completely secure, and ready to go wherever he leads. Moses, the one who would silently see God's salvation. 
This is the command Moses gives to the people in verses 13 to 14. He says this, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord's second in command, Moses, orders the army of the Lord to, instead of taking up their swords, taking up their arms, he commands them to just take a seat, to have a firsthand seat into the greatest battle scene of all time, a battle scene that looked just like baptism, where the warrior Lord's hand would order his people in verse 15 Go forward. Go forward. Go into that water. We've got to understand water to an Israelite would be one of the most terrifying things. No one could swim back then. No one had YMCAs to learn how to swim. Bodies of water were places of death. Remember Noah and the flood? They did. Can you imagine standing on the shore at the Freelix house on the shore of Green Bay saying, go forward, go to the west. But the weightiest of warriors would have Moses lift up his wood staff, a staff which served throughout Exodus as a sign of the Lord swallowing up his enemy Pharaoh, the slaveholder to lead the people to walk through this body of death with breath in their lungs and ground under their feet. God's breath, the Spirit, as wind, would divide the waters through the night like walls on their right and on their left, holding back judgment, holding back death. If you had to ask the question, friends, what in the world is holding those two sides of the water apart. It's the love of God. It is the love of Christ. It is the arms of Christ on the cross of Jesus. The new Moses, the weightiest warrior in all the world, the father's second in command, holding back judgment for his army, and carrying the weight of their waters of death judgment on himself. God is demanding a sacrifice for sin. He's demanding that that sacrifice be split in half. And for us, he's asking that we would just faithfully follow to walk between the walls of his protection. Because without that protection, we are literally dead in the water. Anyone walking through the water without faith in the one who holds it back for them, as verse 28 promises, will not remain alive. The hand of the mighty warrior was glorified in the sea with that sunrise as the people of God stood on the other side of the bay. And he would be glorified again in the sunrise in Christ's entrance out of the body of death, the tomb. What is the result then of faithfully following, of seeing silently God's salvation? Look in verse 31. Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the Egyptians, and they 
believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They had a faithful fear. They're no longer afraid of death. They had a fear that sees like awe and gratitude that the Lord alone was able to save them. They're standing firm that the Lord has provided a salvation baptism like only he could by instead of lifting up a piece of wood over the water was lifted up himself on a piece of wood that would swallow up death forever. And they followed this leader, this weighty warrior, this new Moses going forward and then looking back at the expanse of water between them. That's where I once was, a place of death. And here's where I now stand, alive, a looking at the shoreline, at the casualties like saving Private Ryan, casualties around them, marking the death from which they were spared because of their faith in God. They silently see God's salvation and believe. Father asked his young son what he learned in church that morning. And the son said, we learned about the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. And the father smiled and asked, oh yeah, tell, tell me about it a little bit. And the boy said, well, the Israelites left Egypt, but Pharaoh and his army chased after them. So the Jews, they ran as fast as they could until they got to the Red Sea. And the Egyptian army was getting closer, so Moses sent the Israeli air force to bomb the Egyptians. And while this was happening, the sea bees built a sea bridge across the Red Sea. And when all the Jews were safely across, Moses told the air force to let the Egyptians through. Then Moses sent the Israeli Navy SEALs to wire explosives to the bridge. So as the Egyptians were crossing the bridge, Moses detonated the explosives and blew the Egyptian army to smithereens. By now, the father is just shocked. He looked at his son and said, uh, is that, should I be concerned? Is that the way your preacher told the story? And the boy responded, well, no, not exactly. But if I told you how it actually happened, you'd never believe it. Fearfully standing in the presence of the weightiest warrior in all the world means faithfully following the father and his servant's son through the power of the Spirit, believing by faith that nothing, nothing is impossible with the Lord. Friends, the Lord has fought for you. And what did you need to do? You needed only to be silent and believe. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that we can put our eyes and silently see the salvation. Help us to be faithful followers as we see that salvation offered for us, to walk on the dry ground you've made for us and not to live in the chariots of our own strength and power. Help us to be willingly weak to know that in this army and in this battle, we do nothing. <laughs> You do everything. Keep us from being willfully wicked and believing that we stand a chance in fighting against you. And help us again to be weak, 
to be faithful in following and to see the salvation of the Lord offered through the arms of Christ, holding death back for us and drowning himself. I pray this in his name. Amen.